everyone, it's Cathy White here from Geek Girl Meetup UK and you're joining me for the next episode of Geek Girl Meets where we sit down with amazing women in tech to hear more about their careers and how they got to where they are in the hope of inspiring you on what you might do with your own career. Today I am joined by Sharon Keane who is the head of product for Bloom and Wild which if you haven't had a look at already I highly recommend it. This is an amazing startup that is making it much much easier to get beautiful flowers delivered to your door and you don't even have to be there when they arrive. Uh, but I will let Sharon tell you even more about that in a moment. Sharon, thank you for joining me. No, not at all. Absolute pleasure. Good. Now, the first question uh, that we always kind of like to start with because it really highlights your journey from child to where you are today is to ask you, you know, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, I think probably from the earliest point I can remember, it was something along the lines of He-Man or some kind of superhero. Um, but you know, reality kind of dictates that that's not practical. Uh, so, <laughs> so I kind of settled for science and maths as a sort of academic side of things with a bit of sport along the side of that, but really didn't really know. And I think probably a big part of that was just the schools that I went to and the kind of people that I was around when I was growing up just um, I just didn't get that kind of inspiration for what I thought I'd do for the rest of my life so you know He-Man lasted till I was about probably 10 uh, and then it just wasn't cool anymore uh, and then I kind of got a bit absorbed in uh, you know all the things that you have to get absorbed in at school uh, to get by uh, and then popped out the end of it and sort of ended up doing some science at university but still didn't really know what I was going to do uh, yeah, so I wasn't one of these people that kind of always had a clear goal in life. Uh, I'm very envious of such people. Uh, so how did you get from wanting to be He-Man, which is very cool, and studying science and maths and everything at school to where you are today? What was the journey that led you to being head of product at Bloom and Wild? Um, so it was a bit of a kind of round the houses and all over the place, which I think, you know, hopefully makes me quite well-rounded now, but it's, it's taken a while. Um, I initially actually went into journalism, which is really sort of at odds with the science and maths thing, and was probably because when I was at university I had the time to sort of just try stuff out and realised I really liked writing, uh, and for various reasons that's just what I fell into, uh, and that was lots of fun, but it kind of wasn't enough in the end, and I sort of deviated off onto other paths, uh, including going to be a press secretary for a while in um, in government press offices for the Home Office, and uh, Ministry of Defence, which was very exciting, lots of kind of, um, I guess, uh, dramatic scenes and fast-paced decision-making and lots of important people wearing suits uh, and lots of chances to travel, which was very exciting as well. Um, but ultimately, I think the suits was what put me off of that. I, I just, I don't think I was ever cut out to wear a suit and be in a traditional office. And while working for the government is really cool and really exciting and you meet lots of interesting people, it is quite traditional. And I don't think I was ever cut out for traditional. Um, the other side of it was of this kind of underlying love of sort of science and maths, and um, that really wasn't a part of what I was doing. So I think I kind of gradually gravitated back towards technology um, through this kind of government phase and got involved in blogs and social media, which at the time just wasn't an important thing to to those people, you know, running press offices and such like. It was all about the front page of the, the printed newspapers and the BBC Radio 4 Today programme and um, the News at 10. 
which is still really important, but perhaps quite a lot less so now than the digital channels, which are sort of immediate and so influential. Um, so for me, that was a really cool opportunity to just try out this kind of new stuff that was coming through, um, whether it was you know, writing and then ultimately building blogs, um, working on kind of websites that had news on them, which was you know, for a while quite a, a new thing, and then actually thinking, wait there, uh, it'd be much more fun to actually build these websites rather than just supplying the words that go into a little box. And that kind of led to me just dabbling, I guess, and you know, trying out sort of various code courses and um, you know, building my own website, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and until I kind of got to the point where I thought, well, wait there, this is probably what I should be doing full time. Yeah. Um, so I, I took some time out to have a think about it. And I think, you know, having done that change, I, I think that was probably the most intelligent thing I've ever done in my career was to stop and think rather than just sort of go plowing through and, you know, keep finding the next thing. Yeah. Um, and, and after that sort of pause, I thought, you know, this genuinely makes me happy. This is much more exciting. Um, you can have a, a really cool job that, you know, it has all the sort of boxes ticked, like it pays well and it sounds good and it looks good on your CV. But if you don't enjoy it, I think you always hit the wall. And I, I did that several times uh, until I found this kind of digital world of excitement that I'm now in the middle of. Uh, and um, yeah, so after this sort of short break, uh, I kind of threw myself into it, um, redid my CV, kind of tweaked all these examples of digital dabbling that I'd done and persuaded people to give me a, a job in digital uh, and that was where I landed at Cancer, Cancer Research and the Government Digital Service uh, and uh, had a really good time at both of those, a great, a great opportunity to work on some really exciting digital products um, you know the gov.uk website is an absolutely awesome thing, it's sort of come from nowhere to now being this enormous um, public service essentially. Uh, and cancer research equally equally really cool product it's you know make, raises money for an amazing cause um, and digital has completely transformed how they how they do that yeah um, massively um, so race for life was what i worked on there primarily um, it's been around for maybe 20 years now um, when i when i got there it had been around for probably 15 years um, and had gone from paper entry forms to website entry uh, we built an app to help with fundraising um, and it was just awesome to see this kind of digital transformation getting pace and speeding up and actually seeing it impact the product and the sort of, the, you know, the, the, it, it, the end of the day, the money, the, the money that you raise for that great cause was really sort of jump-started by the digital technology. I guess the um, other sort of significant change in my career that happened after that was finding the startup scene in London, which is incredibly exciting and I've been a part of now for um, several years, um, firstly at Zopa, a peer-to-peer finance startup, and um, now at Bloom Wild. And um, while it's exhausting and the pace is probably about 10 times anything else I've experienced, uh, I wouldn't swap it for anything. I think it's, it's an awesome place to work and there's so many cool startups out there. You kind of join one and you meet several hundred others. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Um, it, it's quite a network and, um, you know, your, your skills are really tested because there's no room for kind of hiding behind bureaucracy or, um, you know, slowing things down and delaying decisions. You, you have to just get it done. Uh, and the, the cool side of that is you, you see this digital impact happen, happening even faster. So um, at Cancer Research, you know, it took us a, a couple of years to bring in things like PayPal and build an app, whereas at Bloom and Wild, we'd probably do something like that in about a month. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so that, that's the sort of short version of uh, stumbling through life and then pausing, uh, deciding where to go and yeah. ending up here. But there's, 
there's a lot of power in actually just taking a break and stopping. Indeed, uh, which I've become more aware of in the last couple of weeks, where I realised I really need to go on holiday and <laughs> <laughs> stop for a little bit, because even just to like take, say, a half a day or a day and just just purely focus on you or really think and you know, weigh up what you're doing and everything. It's a very very powerful thing. When you've stopped previously, what did you find yourself doing? When, I when you took those breaks, what did you find yourself doing in between? Um, so the big, the big break that I was sort of referring to when I kind of stopped working for the government and then went off and started doing digital, I, I went on holiday, um, a kind of much-needed holiday after working really hard. And it, this wasn't some sort of extravagant thing. It was just get away, go to a different place. I went to Australia, uh, made good use of the uh, young people's working visa, so I actually did get a job. I didn't just kind of have a, a gap year. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who um, is curious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think just being in a different place and around different people, and I think one of the things that I worked for me was being away from all the expectations of home. And you know, you kind of put expectations on yourself around your career, and you should be here, you should be doing this, you should, you know, you should achieve these things. And it can be quite detrimental to do that, I think. And for me, stepping away from that really helped and made me just think about what, what's actually going to make me happy. And, you know, I, I would challenge anyone who didn't make decisions based on happiness because, yeah. you know, ultimately, I think my career is actually probably a lot more successful now having done that. I felt like I was kind of bashing my head against the wall a little bit, just trying to kind of go through the motions and get to where I thought I should be and... You know, when I paused and thought, actually, no, let's do what actually makes you happy. Do what you love. Um, everything happened a lot easier. So, yeah. So, yeah. So just being away, being away from what's normal, I think, is what works for me. It might, you know, everyone's different. Um, being on a beach is nice too. I, you know, I did that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we all need that. But, you know, I think, I think I probably could have, you know, I could have gone anywhere really, as long as it was just somewhere that wasn't London and wasn't home. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So in the day-to-day at Boom and Wilds, you're head of product. What does that mean? What do you, what do you actually do? Um, lots of things. <laughs> I think anyone who works in a product job uh, will probably agree that product jobs are different everywhere, so never the same. And actually the four or so that I've done have all been completely different. Uh, at Bloom and Wild, uh, what it means is responsibility for the sort of technology and technology team um, pure product and by that I kind of mean deciding what's on the roadmap um, you know what's the right thing to build next what's going to get us to where we want to be um, in the most effective way uh, and also the sort of user experience side of things so the UX design and figuring out how you know how is the app going to work what are the sort of user journeys and interactions that we want to build in there um, on the app or the website um, to to make it really really easy to to, to buy this product and I should add you know Bloom and Wild for anyone who doesn't know is um, a florist essentially but a digital florist and we kind of have this aspiration that we want to make buying sending flowers the um, sort of most enjoyable and easy experience it can be um, at the moment you you know you kind of probably do a mixture of google and going to the florist and panicking yeah um, <laughs> and um, Part, you know, Bloom and Wild, you can imagine it perhaps as a more sort of Uberized version of that. We've you know, got a very nice online experience. You go and use this website or app and hopefully make the purchase very quickly and then you can keep in touch with your order and see where it goes and 
that yeah that sort of thing the, I guess the other side of it is we um, put the flowers in a box and they go through the letterbox so you don't have to rely on someone being in to receive them um, user experience is across all of that you know that it's a very experiential product so the, the UX element of my job is is really important as well here yeah um, I think in previous jobs my kind of product role has been a bit more about the kind of roadmap and focused on that uh, but naturally in a startup you sort of spread and take on numerous things so um, yeah so it's, it's a lot of stuff there so it's, it's pretty busy yeah and what would you suggest to anyone who might be considering a similar role or that kind of role what kind of things should they know should they read uh, what kind of key attributes should they have as an individual what would you recommend for anyone who's interested in product um i think hopefully if you're interested in product you've probably come from one of the sort of three corners of product either technology sort of business commercial or or, or ux and design um so you probably want to look for a role that has one of those as a focus um purely for the enjoyment factor but partly for the kind of i guess relevance factor um, so generally you, you kind of need to have a background in one of those things or maybe you're one of those people that is able to sort of sit across all three with a little bit of experience I think that's rarer um, but you know having that good experience of one angle of it and that, that ultimately makes you very very useful in that role um, I think outside of that a lot of it's really behavioural and I think it's a job that you need to have a bit of experience to be able to do it's not entry level because of this. Um, and I think things like empathy and patience and just the ability to kind of read people and enable them is really important. And a, a lot of what I do is, is really that. Um, it's, you know, co- whether it's coordinating people, persuading them to do things, or you know, just generally kind of herding cats uh, is probably the easiest way to describe it. Um, you know, the bigger, bigger the organisation, the more cat herding. The smaller the organisation, the more hands-on. Um, but to some degree, you're always going to be kind of that link between probably technology and design or design and marketing or yeah. operations and technology. And really, the, the role is about stitching those together to get the best outcome. Um, you know, the roadmap, you can come up with this roadmap and say, yeah, this is what we should do. But if you can't enable people to, to achieve it, it's, it's not very worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what about kind of the biggest piece of career advice you'd pass on to someone? So obviously we've discussed the power of stopping as a, as a great way of kind of figuring out what someone should do next. But is there any other kind of big, big piece of advice that you would pass along to anyone looking at their career? Um, the, the stopping one is the top one. But um, outside of that, I think, you know go do something you love like that's it sounds really cheesy but I think you're genuinely not going to be as authentic if your heart's not in it and I think being authentic is is such an important thing in the workplace it kind of relates to what I was just saying about people skills and you know if you believe in what you're doing and you have a passion for it that's really infectious and it really helps you to bring people with you and it's very rare that you'll have a job where you are not in a team and you you know you don't have an impact on other people I think you you know so doing doing something you love and just sort of channeling that passion into it don't don't you know don't hold back on the the passion because I think that's a really really important thing to have in a in a job it's a really good thing to have in a workplace as well you know you can 
you know, I think I think having people that love what they do is a is a really nice thing to to be around in a workplace, particularly in a small one. In in startups, you've got kind of you know you spend a lot of time with each other. It's very intimate. You know, you share like very small spaces, and I think having people who love what they do makes that a lot easier. Um, no one wants to sit next to the person that doesn't want to show up for work. Um, you know, probably no one wants to be the person that doesn't want to show up for work yeah. either. So. It's it you know it sounds kind of simple I guess in on a more practical sense, um, get get experience you know volunteer I don't don't assume that you can just walk into something I think you know most people who have cool jobs have worked really hard to get there, um, if they haven't the job's probably not as cool as they say it is, and I think you know accept that you're probably going to have to volunteer and do some stuff for free. Um, you know, when I was kind of transitioning from non-digital to digital, I got involved in hack days and meetups, and I still do actually, I still go to meetups. Hack days I'm finding harder as I get older, they're, they're just so exhausting. Yeah. I, you know, I absolutely still would get a lot out of taking part in them, and I think they're great ways to learn, you know, it's for free, but hopefully you enjoy it, and I think if you don't, then you probably need to question whether it's the right thing to be doing. Um, you know, if you're not prepared to put in a few voluntary hours doing this thing, it's perhaps not the job that you love as much as you think it is. Yeah. What kind of meetups are you finding that you go to? Are they all geared towards UX and, and UX design and product and everything, or do you try and go to a bit of a variety? Um, I go for a mix, actually, of tech, UX and product. Uh, but in theory, you know, anyth- anything that's kind of interesting or relevant... Mostly, it it's, falls into those three camps. Um, the product product tank ones that happen every month in London are great. Um, I've been going to those for a few years now, um, and they their conference as well. That is the sort of, I guess the more the spin off of that. Um, there's stacks of UX ones out there. There's some really good ones that ThoughtWorks run. I've been to a few of those sort of UX sketch outs. Um, they're really good for just sort of, you know, keeping your keeping your hand in and keeping your skills sharp. Um, and on the tech side, I mean, there's, there's probably more tech meetups than anything else in London. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm still working on the theory that based on startup events, you would never, ever have to buy breakfast, lunch or dinner on <laughs> any day of the week ever again. But you would also have to seriously love pizza. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean if you want if you want to, like, I think finding free beer is really easy. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. That, maybe less so with breakfast, but yeah. Um, I mean the the tech ones I've always kind of gone for um, ones that are relevant to the job I'm doing and I think anyone who's worked as a product manager or technologist knows that they're never going to use the same technologies in in different jobs Yeah. Um, I mean I've gone from being in a sort of .NET environment at Zopa to now being in a very JavaScript Ruby kind of focused place Um, so I had a bit of catching up to do when I joined Bloom and Wild I've done a bit of sort of homework around uh, Angular and JavaScript and the latest um, you know the the stuff latest sort of technologies around that, um, and I needed to do that. I think just to sort of be credible and understand what the conversations were around me. I think you can be a general technologist, but if you kind of make the effort to upskill on the sort of specific ones that you that you're using, it makes a stack of difference. So um, the tech workshops I've kind of used mainly um, around that kind of with that kind of mentality. I'm I'm not coding in my job. Um, I don't think the developers in our team at Bloom Wild would let me anywhere near the code base. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I make the effort to keep up to date with the technologies they're using so that I can be as useful as possible. Cool. 
So on that note, with the fact that you're actually doing research into all of these different things as well, you're doing your homework for roles, um, aside from doing homework, what else are you reading or listening to or watching that kind of gives you a, a nice bit of inspiration for your role day to day? Um, I, I read lots and um, I, read, I read, <laughs> read an article recently that said that people that read more uh, do well in life and that reassured me that I wasn't wasting lots of time reading lots of things. Um, I, yeah, I obviously read kind of technology stuff and things that are, things that are relevant to, to work but outside of that I, I read kind of literally anything, graphic novels, um, Graham Greene books quite a lot because they're good escapism uh, uh, and in terms of sort of watching, again, I'm a big fan of kind of travel programs. It's probably this kind of desire to like step away and uh, recalculate. Uh, but I find um, you know, yeah, travel documentaries, that kind of thing, really, um, really inspiring and just a really good break from the kind of day to day. Um, I guess another sort of theme around things that I read. I'm quite quite interested in sort of popular psychology, and this probably relates to the sort of UX uh, part of me. Um, you know how people think and feel and why certain things happen um i read quite a lot of stuff around that there's a great blog called wait but why uh it doesn't publish articles very often but when it does they're quite sort of these enormous insightful kind of uh dissections of people and society and i find things like that quite interesting because you stumble through life and then you don't really think why things are happening but then it's always quite good to step back and focus yeah um but yeah, I mean, my, my reading list is on my Twitter account, and I think anyone who had a look at it would be like, wow, you're kind of all over the place. There's a whole lot going on in there. <laughs> but that's the thing, you should be all over the place, really, I think, in reading, because you, you don't want to just read the same similar thing over and over and over again, otherwise it kind of mm. restricts your mind, I guess. You're kind of very much focused on maybe one point of view or, or something. So I think yeah. Yeah. being broad is a good thing. I look forward to having a look at your eclectic mix <laughs> of reading material via Twitter now. Um, so instead of, of things that you know that you read that inspire you, what about people that inspire you? Is there anyone that's kind of you think had a little bit of an impact on your career? Um, apart from He Man, uh, obviously. <laughs> so I think yeah, I mean probably more recently, not not sort of I wouldn't say this was sort of childhood influences. Um, there's a photographer that I admire very much called Dean Arbus, and she's actually she's um, not alive anymore. She died a long while ago, I think in the 70s. Um, and she was really interesting because she kind of sort of rejected her expected lifestyle and just sort of went off and explored her world, which was New York or Manhattan. Um, she kind of was really interested in people and um, particularly people that weren't kind of normal, as she would perhaps imagine. Um, and she sort of devoted her photographic career to sort of finding every kind of person there was and really sort of going, you know, to the edge of the island that she was on um, and just sort of looking at people and, and taking photos of them and kind of doing that as a way of just sort of assessing, you know, what, what, what do people look like and how do they feel about themselves. Yeah. Um, if you look at her pictures, they can be a bit terrifying if you've never seen them before. They're very sort of contrasty black and white but they're very deep and they're very kind of focused on people's sort of faces or mannerisms um, and I think you know I find her very inspiring because she kind of spent this huge amount of time focusing on people and thinking about you know where do they fit and why do they fit there 
and also because she just did something that was completely different. She came from a fairly wealthy New York family, I think, you know, Upper East or West Side, whichever's the wealthy side, I don't know. Um, and, you know, rejected all of that, went and lived in a sort of studio and, and essentially kind of walked the streets and, and did this completely sort of selfless kind of act of art to just, you know, channel something through this camera that she was carrying around. Um, I, I think there was probably a big part of her in that that was she perhaps didn't know who she was and wanted to explore other people and see if there was someone else out there that was like her. Um, but I think I found that quite inspiring because she's just sort of dedicated herself to this cause that she clearly loved. I think you can't spend so much time doing something unless you love it. Uh, and came out with something absolutely amazing because of it. Her pictures are like no one else's and there's plenty of um, sort of imitations that have happened since then. Yeah. Uh, but she was truly unique and, and completely sort of changed the way photography worked. Uh, and I think that's really cool. That's really inspiring. Um, for, I guess, for equality purposes, a, a male person that, uh, a male that I would um, admire equally would be um, Simon Reeve. Uh, I mentioned I spend quite a lot of time watching travel documentaries. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I love holidays, right? Who doesn't? Exactly. Um, but he's um, he's incredibly inspiring. He's very passionate about travel and people and visiting places. And he does it in a very respectful way. He doesn't sort of trample over foreign lands and kind of claim them in any kind of conqueror kind of way. He goes and visits and just sort of accepts people for who they are and and kind of opens this amazing window to other places in the world and I think that's really cool he's again another person that's very passionate about what they do and because of it is incredibly good and authentic at it so yeah, yeah. I think this is quite nice actually like, listening to you talk about your career and who's inspired you and everything there, there's just a general sense and I think this is very much probably what led what you've already said there right with coming out of government and taking a break and reassessing what made you happy and then moving on but it's ultimately kind of going against the norm to do what you love so not the expectations that might have been set upon us as we were younger and growing up and everything but actually just a kind of thing actually you know what question what is normal and move away from it to a degree yeah no I agree I think so and I think that's probably why I like the startup scene so much so you know Bloom and Wild is is sort of tearing up an old industry floristry and doing it completely differently exactly um and I think you know absolutely my attitude is um to work is I don't I don't want to just follow some expected path and you know I think I think most people who work in the startup industry have a little bit of that in them they, yes. you know they, they want to do something different and that's exciting so um yeah very much and I, I guess the other side of it perhaps more selfishly is um you know I don't want to wear a suit and look like the average office person and I think if you work in a startup that's completely acceptable it's probably encouraged actually oh yeah it's great I'm so comfortable right now in my room <laughs> And you look very comfortable as well. And we're not in suits. Yay! Um, or high heels. Yay! I hate high heels. Oh, God, no. I wear them occasionally, and I literally look like Bambi on ice now. I used to be able to walk really well in them, and then you switch to trainers, you can never go back. Yeah. You can't go back. Uh, are there any initiatives that you're involved in, or is there anything that you're kind of looking to get involved in? I'm I'm um, I'm really passionate about mentoring, and um, I think this is probably because I've always struggled to find mentors in the past. Um, I mentioned when I was growing up, I didn't really have any kind of career inspiration as such, uh, and I think you know anything I can do to help other women or men, not you know not not sort of uh, not too um, fussed about who, but help people sort of 
find their way into tech jobs or even just find their way into a career that is something they're going to love and enjoy. Um, I'm very up for you know offering my services. Um, I've done a bit of mentoring kind of casually, just more you know if someone's said oh you know can we have a chat or can you give me some advice? Um, I've done that a bit in the past, but I think it's something that I'm looking to do more of in the future. Um, that said, I'm not involved in anything structured at the moment. Um, I, you know, startup life has worn me out a bit over the past couple of years, and it's only now that I'm sort of starting to think actually, wait, there, this is something I definitely want to devote some time to. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to find that time, but uh, you know, I'm sure it's there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's kind of like you know, I, I get a lot out of um, of talking to people, and um, I think it's you know part of this kind of product manager role around um, empathy and dealing with people. I, I you know it's something I enjoy a lot, and the idea that I could potentially help people um, find the career they love or help them find their way into technology because it's not always obvious how you get there. Um, you know, at school, quite often you can be great at maths and science and still not be encouraged to become a developer or a, you know, whatever in the in the tech scene. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I I'm going to be kind of figuring out probably over the course of this year how can I do that. Um, there's plenty of groups I know that that do this. So um, yeah, they'll probably expect a call from me at some point. Okay. <laughs> um, on that note, if anyone who is listening is interested and would like to have a conversation with you or potentially the could be mentor for you, you know, what's your Twitter handle? How can they get in touch? Um, yeah, Twitter's probably a good way. Um, it's just my name, Sharon Nan Keen. Um, I'm pretty sure there's only one. I, yeah, tw- you know, Twitter, Twitter's probably the easiest one. I'm yeah. on LinkedIn and all the other usual channels or you, know, you can find me at Bloom and Wild, Sharon at Bloom and Wild. There you go. On that note, Sharon, thank you so much for joining me for the Geek Girl podcast. And thank you for listening. I'm sorry, there's been a slight hiatus, but you can expect a few more podcasts coming out in the next few weeks. We'll also be announcing the next Geek Girl Meetup in the coming weeks as well. So if you haven't already, go and sign up for the Geek Girl Meetup UK newsletter, which you can do via our website. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at GGM UK. And on Facebook, we are Geek Girl Meetup UK. Until next time, that is the end of Geek Girl Meets. And Sharon, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks.